Well, hello and welcome to the Catherine Plano podcast, where we share tips, tricks, tools, and strategies that you can implement in your life for massive improvements. Every week, we have change instigators, compelling creators, and interesting humans who are breaking the cycle of convention and redefining success one mission at a time. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning, connection, and resilience into your life. Now let's jump into your weekly dose of practical goodness. that we are more than mere physical entities confined to the limitations of our bodies and immediate experiences? Is it plausible that we are interconnected, infinite beings in a grand tapestry of existence? In this awe-inspiring discussion, the distinguished author and near-death experience, Natalie Sudman, challenges us to contemplate these existential questions. With her riveting narrative, she provides profound insights into the mysterious realms of consciousness, reincarnation, karma, and compassion, causing us to rethink our long-held beliefs and inviting us to explore new paradigms of reality. In her conversation, Natalie recounts her extraordinary near-death experience, an event that not only shattered her previous understanding, but also unfolded to her the boundless nature of consciousness. This transformative encounter gave her the opportunity to witness firsthand the extent to which our consciousness, our very essence, transcends the physical realm. She impresses upon us the idea that we are more than our physical bodies. We are all entwined in a cosmic web of consciousness, each of us embodying a fragment of the infinite. This expanded perspective on existence could foster in us a sense of interconnectedness and mutual empathy, transforming the way we perceive ourselves and others. So it's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Well, today we have another amazing guest for you. We have the beautiful Natalie Sudman. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining us. So the way that we love to start the show, we always love to ask our special guest to share this story. So Natalie, tell us your story and what inspired you to do what you do today. Oh, what inspired me? Hmm. Okay, well, um, back in about 2006, I went over um, with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers to work in Iraq for a while, helping with reconstruction projects. And I had, I had been trying to get work overseas and I was unable to get it. And I had this opportunity. So I took it and I worked over there for about 16 months. And one day I was going outside the base to look at some of our construction projects. And on our way home from that long day, our vehicle was hit with an improvised explosive device. So um, when that when that explosion happened, I left my body, and um, I wrote a book about my experiences out of the body or um, in a near death experience, and um, that. Um, I didn't really spend very much time in the book talking about the aftermath or. Um, or, you know, recovering from my injuries or things like that, because I felt like the the most important and the most unique part of that experience was what I experienced out of the body. I thought if that, if it was me reading this book, I wouldn't care, or I wouldn't really want to know all the gory details necessarily. I would want to know what happened when you were out of the body. That's the part nobody knows about, right? So um, that is what I wrote about. 
And um, did you want me to kind of recount that or? I would love it because I, okay. I we've had a couple of people on the show when they've had near death experience and everyone talks about it in a very different way. Uh, mm-hmm. Some people, uh, there was one lady who said she was in a car crash and everything slowed down. Uh, until it was put like it was everything then all of a sudden stopped and then she was out of her body others were pulled out of their body so they don't experience the actual uh, event so I would love to hear it yeah so uh, I was riding along in a up armored vehicle with three other people in the truck and it had been a long day we were going back to base so I was kind of sitting with my head on my hands eyes closed half asleep and then I was not. So I did, I left my body before the explosion. I didn't hear the explosion. I didn't sense it. I was in my body and then I was not. I was standing on a sort of little stage with thousands of beings um, arrayed all around me like a stadium. And I was downloading information to them. I was, I was, um, it's not really telepathic communication. It's just kind of making information available to them and them taking it in. So I did that for a while. And, and then I, then I communicated to them that I was done. I didn't want to go back to the body. I wasn't interested in going back to this world. And they all said, you know, agreed to that. Uh, but then made a suggestion like, well, what if you went back and did this? And I thought, oh, yeah, that sounds like fun. I'll go back, <laughs> which is how easy it is to change my mind. Um, and then I I sort of blinked into a different environment. And I, t- I talk about moving from one environment to another by blinking because it was just that quick and that simple. There wasn't any movement from here to there. I was here in one place and I was there in another place. And this next environment that I was in, I call the deep rest environment. I was, uh, when I first got there, there were two beings with me who were kind of tinkering with the organization of energy that I was. I didn't really feel like I had a form. It felt like I was an organization of energy. And these beings were fixing some things, tuning some things up. And um at the same time i was i was kind of going through my life up to that point and not necessarily as a as a life review the way some people with ndes have described it i wasn't feeling every emotion that anyone had ever had that i had contact with or there wasn't anything dramatic or traumatic about this. I really was just kind of paging through my memories and noticing what was valuable to me. And then I went into this very deep rest state that um, I describe as kind of just folding all the way into yourself and kind of turning inside out and rested there for a long time or what what seems to me now to be a long time. I don't think there was really any time space to it. Then I blinked again and I was, I just went back to that gathering of, of thousands and kind of um, checked in with them again. And then um, blinked to a place that I call the healing environment. I was, I could look down at about a 45 degree angle and see the truck that I had been in. And my body was in there and the other three people, their bodies were in there. I could see this all as just the same way we would see it. But I could also see it as uh, organizations of energy. And I was with two other beings and we started playing around with my injuries. We would do the equivalent of waving a hand and set different injuries into my body. And um, we did that for a little while because it was very entertaining to us. We thought it was very, very funny <laughs> to set certain in- certain injuries and then see kind of a holographic instant of the rest of my life and what that might look like. Eventually, we got we finished messing around and just set the injuries that I 
chose into my body. And then actually, I think that's when I blinked back to the to that gathering and kind of talked to them about what I was doing and then um, blinked again. And I was right next to the truck and it was kind of like a twilight zone. Um, Nothing around me was moving. It was like I was in between time. Everything was static, but I was with eight or nine other beings and we were all talking about what I had agreed to do, but we were talking about it from a very, um, on the ground kind of perspective instead of the the gathering we kind of talked about things from an overview kind of perspective the management perspective and now we were talking about things as you know okay now you're going to be on the ground so (laughs) it's going to be different and here's you know whatever whatever help they wanted to give me and then i heard a pop and i was back in my body my eyes were still closed. I still had my head on my hand. And it, I knew that we had been blown up. I knew that it wasn't just minor injuries all around, which happened surprisingly often. And I knew that I had been somewhere else, but I I immediately set that memory aside in order to deal with what I had come back to. So I really didn't remember a lot of this until a couple months later. I was in I was in um I was in the hospital for a month and then I was an um an outpatient, I don't know, two and a half years or something, but about a month after I got out of the hospital after they had quit giving me they give you a lot of drugs. <laughs> they were very good. <laughs> But I really started coming off those drugs and I thought, you know, I I went somewhere in that instant when we got blown up. And as soon as I said that to myself, all these memories just came back so vividly. So that's kind of the general outline of the story. Wow. That is uh, a lot to take in. So when you were blinking, you weren't in this paradigm, you were in a different paradigm, but within that paradigm, as you were blinking, you were able to shift your consciousness from one reality to another within that paradigm. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it felt like. And so not having form, was it a a feeling that you had these beans around you, like two or eight of them? Was this just a knowing or... Or do yeah, they have different vibrations? Actually, when I was when I was with the gathering, the thousands, I I did have form. I had the same form that I had. I actually had my fatigues on. I remember looking down at myself and going, Oh, that's funny. It was in the deep rest environment that I really felt like, oh, okay, there's no form here. And then uh when I was working on the on my injuries when we were playing around with setting my injuries I had form in that place too and standing next to the truck with the eight or nine others around me I did I was back in a kind of energy body that had the same form as my body and the other beings there in that particular environment appeared as human I do talk in my book about the gathering. I perceive them or I perceive them now as human faces or close to human. Um, but when I revisit this and, and imagine them in different forms, so make them look like monsters or something, I can do that. So, and then if I revisit the the environment where I'm standing next to the truck with the eight or nine other beings, when I try to change the way they look, I can't do it. So I'm assuming that those thousands of beings look like humans to me because that's easier for me to comprehend. I don't know what they really look like. I think that I'm probably making them look human or they make themselves look human for me. I don't know. 
that kind of makes sense. It's it's the way. I mean, when your brain gets uh, in the way, because it's really hard to conceptualize it, and the logic mind is trying to make sense of it. And so right. I think this is how we try to uh, make sense of it all, right? Yeah. And you you actually mentioned before about the emotions. I've heard that too. That when people have had the near death experience, there has been just love, no other emotion, just absolute love and bliss. Very yeah, intense. yeah. And um, I think I've said. At some time or another, I don't really talk about that in my book. I think partly because it is hard to describe. Um, But also, I think that it's really only um, noticeable when it's gone. Like when I'm in that environment, when I can close my eyes now and take myself back there, I'm like, oh, yeah, there is that incredible sense of well-being and peace and love and um, respect and belonging. Um, but, But when I was there, I don't think that it really, I don't think that it really registered necessarily, because I was in it. And it seemed like, well, of course, of course it's like this. <laughs> this is how it's supposed to be, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So you're able to go back to that same experience and call upon the beings that were with you at that time? Are you able to do that now? Yes, not all the time, but yes, to a certain extent. That's amazing. I don't think, yeah, I, don't, I think people maybe... Um, might misunderstand that um, because I don't think my communication with them now is as clear as it was when I was out of my body. So it's not like I, I have a, um, the perfectly clear line to get answers to everything all the time, whenever I want them. (laughs) I think that we come here to have experiences, so they're not going to they're not going to give me information that skips my experiences and they're not going to give me information that doesn't serve me. And um, I think that there's some, probably some information they've tried to give me that I haven't taken in because I'm in the way of it. So in other words, I'm still human, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> Absolutely. So when you say, cause I believe that I believe that our soul is here to experience, experience life. That's our purpose to expand and experience life. And I think that it's we that get in the way or create the limitations uh, of our experiences. Uh, so it's, so how do, how does one acknowledge when they're getting in their own way? Like how do you, and you've got, you're obviously, you know, you've got, uh your the messages coming through let's say or a spiritual guide or a, a a being or someone from the other side how do you know what's the difference from whether that's coming from my head or whether that's really happening ex- external of this physical body and how do we know when we're actually getting in the way of our own self yeah um I think that how to know the difference between when you're getting guidance from outside of yourself and when, when it's your own mind can be really, really subtle. And I think the only way to um, really resolve that is to practice, 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 because the more you, the more you play around with it, I think the more you begin to notice the subtle differences between your own mind wishing something was true (laughs) and actually getting some kind of communication from outside yourself. It can be um, especially difficult, I think, for people who are um, empathic because when you're empathic, you tend to merge with whatever information it is that you're taking in. And so you're like, okay, 
this feels like me because I've taken it into me. Is it me or is it from outside myself? But I think, I really think that practice, practice, practice is kind of the only way to do that. I guess, you know, you can go to um, a psychic or something and, and, and kind of get validation in that way. You know, when they kind of give you the same information, you're like, Oh, okay. (laughs) I guess I'm not making it up. That can help too. Sometimes. Um, The other part of that question, what was the other part of that question? Sorry. Uh, so, so I identifying the voice if it's because I'm an empath, so I do I merge with that. So sometimes yeah. I'm having that conversation to myself: Is this me feeling and thinking this way, or are these uh, external of me trying to point me in the right direction? You know, sometimes it's yeah, like I... it's that's really evident. But I I still have that conversation in my mind: Is that really me or? I still have that conversation and I've been doing psychic readings for people for 15 years. You know, I do this for a living. So I don't think that it's, um, and I know some other psychics who are the same way. I think that, um, again, just practice, 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 you know, ask questions, ask questions, see what kind of answers you get. And, um, the more you sit with that yourself doing that process, the more you will, um, recognize the subtle differences between you making something up and you merging with something um, and getting some clean information. Mm, thank you for that, for for bringing some clarity to that. The other thing I was asking was how do we know when we are getting in our own way? How do we know we oh, yeah. are creating the limitations? Mm-hmm. Um, I Maybe I have a different kind of perspective on that. I think that... Um, I think that sometimes when we think we're getting in our own way, what's really happening is we are learning something. We're exploring something. We're not necessarily in our own way. We're simply learning something new and kind of trying to make room for that and get around it. Um, We're not, I think that, I don't know about Eastern cultures, but we in the Western cultures are not very good at being beginners at things. We think we're just supposed to know stuff. <laughs> oh, I'm all grown up now. Whatever I want to know, I just know. But but there's a process to learning. I mean, we're in a world of form, of, of cause and effect. And um, to allow yourself to be a beginner and then to um, acquire new information and new skills um, takes time. It it moves through time and space because we are in time and space. And so I think that often what people call in their way or in my way um, may be exactly what you came here for. So um, why, why, why is this happening to me? A better question might be, how do I best handle this? Because in handling this, you walk through it. Oh, I love that. And I just had a bit of an epiphany then when you explained it, because what you were saying, oh, this is how I interpret it, of course, Mm -hmm. that, um, that it's, we're not really good at starting. And I guess we have our own perception of the way things should unfold. And therefore, Mm -hmm. we hang on to that perception. And I've feel like that's how we are getting in our own way rather than allowing to whatever is going to unfold right so that I yeah. think that's that's what I got from what you just said is that correct yeah very good point that we do get on our own way by anticipating or by expecting something and then not making room for whatever shows up if it's different from what we expected I say to a lot of clients this challenge is not in your way it it is your path. It is your way. It's what you came here to do. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I absolutely mm-hmm. love that. And and that's hard in itself when you, because I've had those uh, thoughts myself, when I go through whatever I, I am going through, and it was nothing like your path and your experience that you've um, come here to to live and teach as well because I know when I was doing some uh, research around you I uh there's some people call you a prophet a medium a psychic uh and so and I was wondering whether that was available to you before the accident or after but we'll go there in a minute but what what I know for me it's like as a soul we chose 
for us to experience whatever we've signed up for. But as as a human, in the logic mind, you you start going, why would I have chosen that as a soul? Yeah, yeah, so definitely. That's hard to comprehend. It is hard to comprehend because we put everything in the context of one lifetime. So we want it to make sense within the context of one lifetime. But what if we put it in a context of 20 or 40 or 800 lifetimes? It may it may give us a very different um, perception of what's going on. Also, a friend of mine who really couldn't had a trouble wrapping her head around the fact that I hurt myself in order to do whatever I'm doing. Um, she said she thought about it for days and finally she, she realized that she kind of did that with childbirth. She wanted a kid. And so she went through this very painful experience to get this baby and she said, you know, after I have that baby, I don't think, oh, why did I go through all that pain? That wasn't worth it. She said, of course it was worth it. It was a minor thing that was necessary to get me to where I am now. I said, yeah, that's really a sweet way to think about it. I love that. That's a great way. And it's true. And mm-hmm. so if we go back to the research on you regarding a prophet a medium, a psychic, did you have those abilities before the accident or did that come after the accident? Uh, I would say that I had clearer abilities after the accident and more confidence in them. I did have psychic um, kinds of experiences and mediumistic kind of experiences before the accident, really ever since I was a kid, but I didn't have great control over it and I didn't Um, I did some readings for friends a few years, maybe before the accident, but I didn't, I didn't have great confidence in what I was doing. And I didn't really feel like um, I knew anything special or anything that anyone really needed to hear. (laughs) And I don't know if I feel that way now either, but I sort of feel like I have been dragged out (laughs) into the public. So I'm just trusting you know, the path. I don't, I don't necessarily remember what I came back to do all of it. I don't remember all those kind of details from my experience, but I do trust that I'm being led to where I need to go. And um, so, yeah, so here I am. I don't, profit seems a little um, intimidating to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess a prophet is really somebody that can foresee the future, right? Yeah, I, 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 mm, I think. But mm-hmm. so for our uh, audience, let's maybe unpack that a little bit. So what exactly uh, do you do? Do you tap into the people of Passover or as a psychic, are you reading uh, their auras or how do you go about it? I, um, I can often tap into people who have crossed over. I'm not a trained um, evidential medium. So they do things in a very specific way. Um, And um, I simply ask to be connected with that person who's crossed over. I don't do a, a, I don't do a lot of that. If it comes up in the course of a reading, I do it. Um, I don't, I receive information um, kinesthetically through, through feeling through my body and um visually and sometimes um audio audioly audio <laughs> i should know that word auditory. um thank you auditory so um i will take information any way i can get it i um i often sense my people around helping lead me to information or giving me information. I sometimes also um, encounter the guides or helpers of the client that I'm reading. And sometimes it, it, I feel like those beings are talking to my beings and then my beings are talking to me. But sometimes I do have immediate kind of um, contact with them. I, I think that also 
I mean, I'll find the information anywhere I want it, you know, it's like, or anywhere I allow myself to go where the information is. I ask for the information and then I allow myself to be taken there. So I think that sometimes I do go to someone's aura or someone's records in some way and get that information that way. So you can, and I'm sure our audience is very curious, obviously they can do this virtually because there is no time and space. Right. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and I do. They... I have... Sorry. Sorry. I Yeah, I have um, clients from all over the world. Amazing. So then, then they can come to you with specific questions as well, or do you, it's just a matter of tapping in and it, it's whatever comes up at that moment in the reading. No, I really ask people to take some time to sit down and articulate their questions. What I've found is that they get a lot more out of the reading if they put some intention like that into it. Otherwise, I mean, I could be talking about the squirrels in their backyard. You know, I'm going to be led to the things that I'm interested in, but I want, it's their reading. I want them to bring their interests and I'll look at their interests. That's amazing. And do you, so from that perspective, you're, uh, when you're actually doing a reading, you're connected with the individual, does it ever happen just when you're out shopping where all of a sudden you're picking up on other people's vibes or has that ever happened where you felt this really strong message for someone and they haven't specifically come to see you? Yes, I've had that happen a few times. Um, I don't pass on messages in that kind of situation. I don't think, I mean, if, if I was being screamed at, like, go talk to that person, <laughs> maybe I would do it. But I think that, um, I think it's intrusive. I wouldn't want someone doing that to me. I would, pre- I prefer to wait until someone asks. Yeah. And, and I guess that's, that's the uh, ask that shall be given, right? right (laughs) you have to always ask for permission first so I'm really curious Natalie the other thing that's bubbling up for me is what you experienced was so on one hand dramatic traumatic stressful I, I can't even imagine I can't even think of the other words to to at the same time parallel you had a really blissful out of body wonderful experience how was it coming back to life knowing that there was that duality that you experienced in that split of a moment well that bliss really carried into this reality I really um I didn't really experience my injuries as trauma um there was pain and there was discomfort, but I, I think I say in my book that there wasn't suffering. That suffering comes from the way we think about things, from those expectations that aren't met. You know, I could have been thinking, well, this isn't how I wanted my life to go. I want to be able to see out of both eyes. I don't want to spend two and a half years doing rehab. This is not what I had planned for myself. But I really, I think that my experience out of body just kind of wiped all that out. There was no fear in me when I came back. There was only curiosity. Like, well, I've never done this before. I've never been blown up before. <laughs> I wonder what this is like. And um, and I think that uh, that lack of fear really creates a whole different kind of experience. When you can release fear then you're meeting each moment as it comes and there isn't any suffering available. It's because that suffering is only a conflict between what you want to be happening and what is happening. It's essentially, I actually highlighted that in the book where you had said, it's a Buddha saying pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. And you had understanding that I designed my experience from start to finish and been assured through my experience out of body that my life as it is has meaning and value. Suffering is impossible. I thought that was quite extraordinary. Yeah. It makes sense, but 
So, so you're saying basically that we choose, it's the meaning we give every situation. We choose the experience ourselves, how, how we want to experience whatever events taking place. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know that, I think that's easily misunderstood because um, we as conscious personality selves may not always be the ones choosing. I didn't consciously choose to get blown up, but I have a broader consciousness available to me that I am, that this personality is just one aspect of. And if that larger personality uh, sees in a larger context and, and, and understands a value to something that I can't see, um, maybe I can trust that now. I mean, I got lucky maybe because I had this experience of actually being in that larger awareness and, and really perceiving this life as not that long and whatever injuries I had as temporary. We all stand up, you know, we can all get stabbed and and uh, run over on the stage. But at the end of the play, the curtain comes down and we all stand up and walk off the stage. We're all okay, essentially. And when we really know that, when we know ourselves truly all the way through our awareness that we are infinite beings, then death becomes something else. Then pain becomes something else. Our experiences here become something else. I think that, um, I think that from that perspective, suffering doesn't happen. So do you think that as a soul, we obviously choose these experiences? So I'm thinking about reincarnation. Do we come back because uh, there's different understandings of reincarnation? So if we in one in one lifetime, if I you know, uh, did something wrong or bad or deemed as evil, uh, I'll be coming back in my next life and wear or carry that karma and maybe experience something uh, traumatic. Uh, so what's your, your beliefs around reincarnation? I think that karma is simply cause and effect. So if you set something in motion, there's going to be consequences to those, to the, that action or those words or thoughts. Um, it's not punishment and it's not an eye for an eye. It's simply cause and effect. Um, I think that also that cause and effect is an aspect of this reality. And that as soon as you, as soon as you understand yourself, as an infinite being, you give yourself the opportunity to step out of karma. Because as soon as you forgive yourself and forgive life for not being something else and forgive others who ha may have harmed you in some way, you have, you have um, neutralized that karma. So um, that's kind of separate from your question reincarnation i think um i don't think that i understand it i don't know that i think that maybe all the ideas people have about reincarnation are accurate without being completely true or it may be that there's lots of options you know maybe some people come back and back and back one right after the other and others um leave one body and uh, skip a bunch of time or go backwards in time and um, enter a body, you know, my next life may be in 1410. I don't know. Um, I think that, I think that we like things to be very simple and um, we like to, we like to think that if something is true for one person, it's true for everyone, but infinity is infinite. And I don't see why we would, um, I'm not sure why we would all um, narrow the potentials of experience for ourselves. 
so much. I think that it's fun to have lots of options. And I think that we probably give ourselves lots of options. Yeah, it is. It is. And once again, it it can be when you deep dive and try to uh, find out as much as you can around reincarnation, there is so much information out there and it's really Mm -hmm. hard to decipher which one is real and which one is not real. I guess we'll never know, right? Um, Because I think that, you know, some people will say that we have Akashic records and there's there's contracts, and once we're done with our contracts here on uh, on Earth, you know, uh, the the school of life, uh, then we don't have to come back. So it's uh, it is one of those questions that I'm always curious about, but we'll mm-hmm. never know. We'll never know. I, I'd like to, and I'm 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 uh, just something dropped in now. Um, I did a post a little while ago saying that we are all one uh, as a collective. We are all consciousness, and and so forth, and and that. Um, we should be more compassionate to one another, right? And less judgmental because I am practicing and uh, audience know I'm practicing non-judgment, non-resistance and non-attachment. And boy, it's hard, Natalie. I I do Mm -hmm. my best, but it's hard. So I do practice what I preach. And somebody wrote back and said, does that mean you would be compassionate towards a terrorist a killer a rapist and i'd like to hear what how you would respond to that because i know for me i would still say yes you would be compassionate because as a soul we are one and that the behavior is not the person the way that they're acting out whatever they're acting out is through pain right but i'm not how how would you uh respond my compassion is not my compassion is not excusing their actions or decisions or words. My compassion is recognizing the very essence of their being is the same as the very essence of my being. That doesn't mean that they are expressing that ex- that essence. I think, you know, a lot of times they're not, obviously, if they're being violent or um or mean or ugly to people in some way or to animals or whatever. Um, Of course, there's a difference between um, recognizing the inherent holiness of someone and, um, and approving of their actions. I can, I can recognize the very core of that being and stand up against their actions or words. I think that's important because I always I always say namaste. My soul acknowledges and respects and honors your soul. And so when I look at exactly what you're saying, compassion is compassion at that level, understanding we are all here to experience life and learn our lessons. And we are more than this physical body and this behavior. And I don't know if you have heard of Virginia Satir. Have you heard of Virginia Satir? She talks about the behavior is not the person she worked with a lot of different criminals and when she was really unpacking what was going on it was uh, uh, what was lacking in their life was love yes love. yeah yeah people who who hurt other people are trying to get rid of their own pain they're they're in so much pain they don't know what to do with it i said i've said in the past that if we if we could stop failing each other we would heal the world you know if we loved everyone recognized everyone as that spark of beauty that we are we would be lifting people out of the gutter not judging them for being in the gutter And this is where the judgment comes in, right? This is where you're practicing the non-judgment, which I'm finding probably out of the three, the hardest one is Mm. how do you not judge when, when, for example, somebody could, nobody can make you feel anything unless you allow them to, but let's say you get rubbed up the wrong way, right? You allow this person to get to you. It's really to be in the present moment and to be of love and seeing them love. You still have to have boundaries. You don't need to judge them. But it's okay to have a boundary and say, I 
at that level, from a soul level, I respect you and love you. But from a human existence, I won't tolerate this kind of behavior. So you've got to be able to, and this is how I do it. I don't know if it's right. So I'd love to hear it from you. How do you deal with this three-dimensional human being that we are experiencing when we are more than that and when somebody rubs you up the wrong way? Yeah, I think that's exactly what I do. And I'm, it's hard for me too. It's hard for anyone, I think. But um, I think that um, if we can make the distinction between judging someone's behavior or using discernment about someone's behavior and their, or their words, that's different from judging them as a soul. We don't, we can say, I, I see you as an infinite being that I know that you too, the very core of you is love and you can act, you can't act this way. You can't say those things. We can do both those. I think that when we, when we um, interact with people from that level, recognizing first, yes, they are, they too are an aspect of the divine. I think that then when we do say, stop, you can't act this way. Um, that I think it has more power. I think it actually has the power of love behind it. When we try to stop something because we hate it or we fear it, I think that we are perpetuating hate and fear because we feel it in ourselves. We're we're throwing it back at them. And they're what are they going to do? They're just going to throw it back at, at somebody else or us. But if we if the very core of what we're doing is love, I think it changes the the interaction on a really fundamental energetic way that is very, very real. So on that with fear, do you experience fear? Yes. I don't and- think I did for the first year or so. And then, Yes. Okay, because I was curious. I I I was had to ask that question because of what you've experienced, um, mm-hmm. and knowing that there is more to this. How can you? How can you? And this, even just talking with you, just how can we possibly experience fear when we know there is more than this physical being? Yeah, I think it's when we forget that 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 the fear creeps in. You know, if we're really aware all the time that that we're an infinite being having this experience through this body and through this mind. I think that everything becomes interesting instead of threatening or um, it becomes um, a fun challenge instead of a slog. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So as we start wrapping up the show, we always love to ask our special guests to leave three shiny golden nuggets for our audience. So Natalie, what would you like to leave for our audience today? I think, um, first of all, I would like to say have some fun. (laughs) Because if you're not having fun and laughing a little bit, um, you're maybe just taking it a little too seriously. And I know that that's hard for people. Like I've been in chronic pain and things like that. It's hard. It's hard to find those little fun nuggets. If you can find them, find them. They're very, very healing. And then I would say, be your own best friend. You know, it's pretty hard to love anyone if you don't love yourself. And that means loving yourself with all the flaws, not loving yourself because you're perfect but just finding that affinity with yourself and that affection for yourself. And I guess, let's see, a third one. Um, be kind, I guess. Just be kind. Oh, very, very important ones. And I think that's another thing, like fun. We forget to have fun. What happened to us as adults, when we were kids, we were always having fun and then we lost that, uh, ability to find joy in everything that we do. Yeah, whether we're good at it or not. Yes, yes. Well, just have fun doing it. I know, I know. I mean, I always say, people always say to me, oh, Catherine, you so don't look your age. And I think it's because I'm a big kid at heart. I honestly, <laughs> I am a big kid at heart. Still, as an adult, I will, uh, my son doesn't live with me anymore, but um, he's 28, that's why. But when, even when he was uh, little, even into his mid-20s, I was always hiding under the bed or in cupboards trying to scare him. So we were always <laughs> having fun, you know. 
And yeah, I think it, it's it. it's that I actually miss that that he's not here because we we used to do that to one another all the time. So anyway, so <laughs> Natalie, where is the best place for our audience to find you? Where do you hang out the most? I um, have a Facebook page where I post every single day a quote and a piece of artwork, and you can find links to all my interviews and um, a page about my readings at traceofelements.com and you can find my artwork at nsudman.com your artwork is spectacular by the way oh, absolutely beautiful so we'll have all of that in the show notes natalie i can't thank you enough for coming on the show sharing your story uh i'm still like wow and uh and sharing your wealth of wisdom and your time and your energy thank you so much thank you for having me Catherine. it's been fun thank you Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please click on share show with your friends to help make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to get involved is to click on follow show or leave a review on iTunes so that we can give you a shout out on the show. If you have been a long time listener of the show, you know we are big on delivering content that is valuable for you. Content that will address your pain points. So if you have any questions or ideas for a podcast show, please reach out and we will create the content to meet your needs. Yes, you heard right. If you have topics, themes or or special guests that you want to hear from, please send us a note to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will create a show especially for you. Wherever you are in the world, sending you love, blessings and peace. Namaste. Namaste.